after that introduction, uh, I think we need to go home because I think Rick's sermon was sufficient. Uh, uh, these will be footnotes uh, that I'll use. Okay, Aunt Lisa got it. Okay. I'm not going to introduce myself. Uh, some of the things that I'm going to say will come out in this message. Uh, there's someone here who does not read the Bible or understand the Bible. Uh, my hope is that today you'll come to understand how exciting a life of faith can be and how important the Bible is to those who call themselves Christian. Um, we were supposed to sing, we are his hands, we are his feet today. Um, and those words are consistent with the metaphor that we know of in 1 Corinthians about the multiple abilities and gifts created to serve God. But most of us are also familiar with the song, um, Open Our Eyes, Lord, We Want to See Jesus. And so I'm going to use that kind of as a takeoff point for some of the points that I want to share with you. In the Gospel accounts, we read of many people who wanted to see the Messiah. They were looking for him, and, uh, but few realized when they looked at Jesus that they were actually looking at the Savior. Many of the people in the crowds of the New Testament wanted to see signs and wonders, but they didn't really want to see what Jesus represented. So when we sing, we are his hands and we are his feet, or open our eyes, we want to see Jesus, we really need to think about what that means. If we're going to both see Jesus and see things the way Jesus does, we have to shift the way we look at things. I'm often reminded that seeing Jesus does not always result in me seeing what I want to see. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this little book by Rob Penner. Picked it up recently, Faces in the Crowd. Um, in the story of blind Bartimaeus in here, we notice a beggar. Someone coming out of the crowd who truly wanted to see Jesus. In fact, he wanted his sight. As I reflected on this story, it seemed to me that after Bartimaeus was miraculously healed, he probably followed Jesus from Jericho and the crowd as they went up to Jerusalem. Picture with me. What he saw was amazing. He's seeing things for the first time. Can you imagine his delight, his curiosity, his devotion to Jesus? He was seeing many things for the first time, and probably caught up in the messianic dream that Jesus, the son of David, because that's how he called out to Jesus, he was sure he would be the king. But I'm sure he did not count on seeing his healer crucified one week later in front of his eyes. How different the scene for Bartimaeus was now that he had sight. He would only have heard about it. Seeing gave him a new and different perspective on many things, and he could not have realized that seeing could be painful. Seeing Jesus requires us to accept that he died on the cross for our sins, and we have to acknowledge that. Seeing Jesus means we have to be willing to accept his suffering, and this is the hard part, and to suffer for his sake. We don't know what happened to Bartimaeus or many others who were in the crowds leading up to that Passover. But seeing Jesus in the Passion Week forced people to examine their own perspectives. So today, let's spend some time to think about what gives us our perspectives, how we communicate, and whether we really want to see Jesus. So just bow with me for a second. Father, I just pray that uh, you will open our hearts 
that we may see Jesus. I pray, Lord, that if we've come today with baggage, that we can just really focus on what your word has to say to us and let these words um, be true to your word and open our ears as well as our minds, our hearts, for what your Holy Spirit wants to say to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This past month, I heard uh, several messages that challenged people to look at things differently. One sermon reminded expats that even though we may not be from Beijing, it's our duty to bless Beijing, although home may be somewhere else in our minds. I confess I don't always think about blessing Beijing. Um, Oftentimes I'm more here for work and to get from Beijing rather than to give. I'm not a real good Samaritan. Another message reminded me that if I'm Chinese and I'm living in Beijing... If I am following Christ, this is not my home either, because I'm looking forward to my eternal home. So whether we're Asian or Western, almost all of us in this room are either TCKs or TCAs. John used the term TCK, and I think we have an advantage many of the people we encounter do not. So if you're not familiar with that term, TCK is a third culture kid. You have become TCAs, whether you wanted to or not. And... Hopefully you can understand your kids a little better, uh, those of you that have children. Actually, some of us are both, like me. This is what we become when we move to another culture for an extended period of time. Uh, We become immersed in a new language, a new time zone. We often live at a different economic level. Some of you have gone up and some of you have gone down, uh, becoming TCAs. After time, most TCKs view their native culture and the one that they become immersed in, uh, they look at it through different eyes. We become more global in our worldview, and over time, we may not necessarily think everything back in the home country is as great as we once thought. Or, it's the opposite, we yearn for something different from where we are. Our perspectives change. We sometimes don't know what or where to call home. When Janice and I retire, we will live in yet another country. It's a bit daunting to think of, and those of you who have ever been to Texas know about the culture and language I'm talking about. (laughs) Yet for all my experience as an MK in central India, going to British boarding school in South India, graduating from American high school in Taiwan, attending a university in California, marrying a Mennonite girl from Washington, I hold on to my Canadian passport with a passion, a fervent nationalism, and I can't even skate, eh? So, what makes us see things the way we do? What makes us think and act the way we do and value particular things? Admittedly, even though I had all of these experiences, it did not make me see Jesus any clearer nor did I see the world through Jesus' eyes. Why is being Canadian so important to me? And why does it matter if I become an American? I was going to wear these this morning, but I think I would have wrecked this, and, and my wife says, I've never seen anyone strip in church, and I said, well, tomorrow's the first time, but it still didn't happen. Um, anyways, how did I get the perspective I have on so many things? Why is Canadian being so important? Maybe it's not, but uh, I sometimes act like I'm a real devout Canadian. 
As I reflect on my rich life, and I have had a rich life, I realize that the influences and decisions of my parents and my schools carry the most weight, and they've had the greatest impact on me and the choices I have made. I would say for the vast majority of students I encounter, that's the same for them. Parents and schools most dramatically shape our perspectives. What perspectives do we take to work, to school, to the dinner table? Are the labels we're wearing, this was given to me as a gift, so I'm not uh, saying it applies to me too much, but uh, sometimes we all wear labels on shirts. Um, I sometimes wear this just for Chinese people to see. Um, Do we see Jesus and therefore do things to represent him to our world? So there is a caution here. I know we got lots of countries represented. Is it more important for you to be an American or a Swiss or a Nigerian or a Chinese than a citizen of the kingdom? Are we bold in proclaiming our allegiance to a sport team or fashion, but ashamed to demonstrate our king? This was given to me. I think it's kind of a cool shirt, so if you want to get some, I can get you some made. Um, I don't know if you can read that. Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook in this church, right? Um, The only way I know to be balanced in all of this is to have a biblical perspective. Um, First slide, I'm not sure if it's going to come up very well. Numbers 1539 says that our hearts and eyes are naturally lustful. Sorry about the size of those. God calls us to be consecrated to him and to obey his commands. So if our eyes are naturally lustful, then like the song says, we need God to open our eyes to see Jesus, or we'll fall into the trap of seeing only what we see. If you've read stories of the kings in Israel, they time and time God said to them, you did not do what was right in my eyes. 1 Kings 14.8, the next slide says, it's where... um, One king was told, You have not been like my servant David who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. That's God's eyes. In 2 Kings 10.30, he tells another king, Because you have done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes and have done to the house of Ahab all I had in mind, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. So as we go through scripture, it's apparent that God's eyes and his heart are consistent, and his people knew what was right in his eyes. If we align our heart and our eyes with his, we're not going to break his commands. There's a clear understanding with God's people what is right in the eyes of God. We're created with a moral compass, whether we're believers or not. But because our hearts are naturally wicked, it doesn't take too much to detour us. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking for people who want to see him and promises to strengthen us if our hearts are fully committed to him. Psalm 19.8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right. We sing songs about this uh, particular psalm. Um, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So here in this verse, it tells us how to get light in our eyes by understanding the precepts of the Lord. When we sing this song, asking God to open our eyes, we need to understand that being immersed in God's word is the key step to having our eyes opened. 
Now, if we do an honest self-evaluation, how much time do we spend in God's Word compared to the things that interest us? I'm not even going to attempt to guess at what you guys do. I have to like certain things a lot. So if you're a sportsman, do you spend the same amount of time in God's Word as you do practicing and playing games each week? Do you spend more time in Facebook than in God's Word? Uh, better take off that Honest Man t-shirt there. Um, what about gaming? Uh, watching TV or your favorite movies? How would it change your sp- perspective if you spent as much time in God's Word this next week as you did in your favorite pastime this last week? How about us foodies? If we spend as much time at the dinner table as we do in God's Word, would we get fat? Let's change the topic. I I don't enjoy self-conviction that much, but uh, to be honest, if you're like me, I often think I can see things clearly and my perspective is correct. And it's the other person who needs to change. I put the blame or responsibility on someone else. Maybe there's someone in the room like me. We say things like, if my parents really knew what life was like at school, or they don't see what I have to deal with, or if I only had more time or money, or if only I had a stable job, or if only my brother or sister would grow up, or if only my boss was more understanding. That doesn't apply to Mrs. Beeson there. Um, People don't see things the right way is how we reason. If only they saw things from the right perspective or my circumstances were different. So when I say that word perspective, probably a variety of ideas surface in our minds. As I've been talking, what did you think of when I said perspective? Some here have taken art and know what perspectives are in that discipline. The Wikipedia definition says, it's taken from the Latin, it's uh, in the graphic arts such as drawing, it's an approximate representation of an image as it's seen by the eye. The two most characteristic features of perspective are that objects are drawn, smaller as their distance from the observer increases, and foreshortened when the size of an object's dimensions along the line of sight are relatively shorter than dimensions across the line of sight. So this first next slide gives you an example of how you draw perspective. We all know the rails are equidistant, but they look like they narrow in the distance. And if you're standing down at that distance and you're still, uh, someone else is here, it's going to look like they're down at the narrow part of the tracks. So depending on where you are, the next slide is also, it's a framed house, a wall. Gives you, if you learn how to draw, you, you know that all those wall studs are the same distance apart, but uh, you have to draw them to give proper perspective. Here's an artist rendition. I can't remember the Italian painter. If you're those disciples, your perspective of Jesus is very different than the person who is drawing that picture. So where we are at any given moment can affect our perspective. And if we're close to a situation, or if we're older, <clears throat> more mature, uh, or if we're less mature, uh, if we're emotional about a subject, your perspectives are changed. So before I showed the artwork, some of us may have thought of perspectives. Any of you taken the course perspectives? A few of you, yeah. It's a series of 15-week courses to help people understand scripture and theological issues from a missional viewpoint. So our emotions, experience, and the intellectual framework determine how we respond to each situation and each other. 
Our age has a lot to do with how we look at issues. I suspect I look at things much more similarly to, um, as Rick Lehman than, say, from Zeke Beeson down here in the second row. So what does this have to do with us in the church? In the church, as well as in our daily routines, we come to issues with different perspectives. And too often, we don't go to God's word for clarity and open eyes. Now, I'm going to have some professional actors come and help me with a skit, um, but I think you can... I'm not saying this because I understand there's divisions in this church. I just think we need to look at what perspectives we bring to this church and to ministry. So I've asked some friends from Hope uh, to dramatize a story with the setting in Russia about 300 years ago. Uh, Please forgive me if you know the story, but it, it is relevant to perspectives. Picture a village in the Crimea during the reign of the Tsars where the villagers have heard the Tsar is sending a top official with an edict. Russia and the Tsar, or the king, at the time was heavily influenced by the Orthodox Church. And the emissary from the Tsar is none other than the Archbishop from St. Petersburg. Let me set the stage while the actors take their places. The kingdom was large and communication was difficult. The village in question was inhabited by poor Christians who had fled persecution in Prussia and other parts of Europe. The Tsar heard the lands were productive and he wanted to appropriate an area to his royal farms, so he sent a deputy to inform the mayor that the Tsar needed the land and they would have to move. Thank you. I may have exaggerated a little bit about the professionalism. Uh, We'll have to practice before we go on tour, but um, perhaps a silly story, but it does make the point that often we see the same things and interpret them very differently. And we can be quite emphatic about what we see. So they certainly had different interpretations, and they thought they were communicating. This happens in the church as well. It happens at home and in our relationships, especially if we do not have the eyes of Jesus. Do things like that ever happen in your household or church? Maybe not that extreme, but um, many of the problems in our homes or the church stem from poor communication, selfishness, James says that we argue and and, uh, we have problems amongst ourselves because we want things for ourselves. Um, Sometimes we even think we know what others think. No doubt, like those in the skit, we have different ways of looking at circumstances and we interpret ideas communicated to us in different ways from our own perspective. So I think we need to ask ourselves... Do we have a narrow way of seeing the world? Just because we're TCKs and TCAs and we have a broader global view, we can still be very narrow. How does my perspective measure up to what God's word says? Does my perspective limit how others can do the work of the Lord? Could my perspective maybe be skewed? Does my perspective keep me from blessing other people's efforts? We have one lady at our school who has determined she's going to find the positive in everyone around her. She's not blind, and she knows the weaknesses of most of us, 
but she has set herself the goal of seeing us through love in the eyes of Jesus. So in this little drama, we saw how even viewpoints they thought were biblical were narrow and one-sided. Surely God wants us to see life through the eyes of Jesus, not just the way we see it or through our perspective. I often disagreed with my parents about biblical understanding, maybe a bit cheeky, cocky, but one of the joys I shared with my dad later in life was when we shared with each other how we had both changed our understanding of God and scripture as we allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We changed our perspective on a number of things because we saw that God viewed things from a holy heart. And as we spent time in his word, we came more into alignment with each other and God's word. Maybe as married couples or families, you are better at communication than Janice or I. Let me share with you something personal. After 42 years, she thinks she can read my thoughts. But I must confess that after 42 hours of marriage, I was sure I could read hers and told her so. As you can imagine, for 42 years I have been reminded that I cannot know what she is thinking. She, of course, is right. On a more serious note, let's remember what Scripture has to say about differences in the body that gives us different perspectives. How many of you have read Ray Steadman's book, Body Life? It's a bit old, but... You know, he reminded us that if you were a nose and wanted to be a foot, all you would do is smell the inside of a sock. God has given us gifting for specific roles and purposes. Um, We focused for several months on the theme of abiding in Jesus. If a branch is grafted into a vine, the branch does not tell the vine what viewpoint it has. Whether the branch and its leaves are hidden by a cluster of grapes or by a support pole doesn't matter. The perspective of the branch is not important. The vine is where the strength and the nourishment comes from. So how well are we grafted into the main vine, and is our perspective in line with what Jesus sees? If we truly want to see Jesus, we have to change our perspective and see things through his eyes. We may not want to see suffering. We may not understand the way of the cross. But we do know from God's word that there is a right way in the eyes of God, and he expects us to suffer, and he will give us the strength for each day so that we will conform to his will. When I was teaching in a university, I got to know a brilliantly young theologian called Tim Gettert. Tim had lost his wonderful wife to cancer. And he was, while he was finishing his Ph.D. in Edinburgh, he was left to care for two little boys, and he was under great pressure to finish his dissertation at the end of a school year. Now, this guy was brilliant. He did a Ph.D. on dissertation in two years at Edinburgh. That's not a school for slouches. He showed remarkable grace and humility through the trials, and, and he completed the degree And he never resented God for the pain and the loss. And Tim grew wonderfully out of that experience. One weekend, I had 22 freshmen. um, It's first-year students, for those of you who don't understand American uh, jargon. Freshmen are the first year. 22 were at our house for an ice cream social. During our conversation, a senior student who helped me with this group asked the first-year students 
if there was anyone in their lives or in their family or amongst their friends who they thought was like Jesus. They sat and reflected a few minutes to reflect on a number of testimonies they'd heard in a particular class that we were teaching. And 18 of the 22 said that Tim Geddert was most like Jesus of anyone they knew because they could see Jesus in Tim. What a great testimony for anyone to say that about us. Do people see Jesus in us, whether wherever it is, work or play? When we sing, open our eyes, Lord, God may want us to see that brother or sister who is most like Jesus. If we're truly grafted into the vine, and if we want to see Jesus, we need to be in God's word to know what he sees and to understand his heart. We're part of a Bible study that's showing how we can see Jesus in every book of the Bible. You've probably seen this, but I think it bears seeing again. It may take someone to help us understand how Jesus is seen in every book. But here's a quick glimpse of the theme in each of the 66 books of the Bible. These are taken from Norman Geisler. So just read them through as the slides come. This is how you see Jesus in each of the books of the Bible. as you look at that list and you see how Jesus is revealed to us in Scripture, if we look for Jesus in the Scriptures, God will reveal him to, him to us, not just the teachings that are there, but we'll see how Jesus is all of those things. We, we remember some things like, my Redeemer lives from Job, but Jesus is evident right from Genesis to, Genesis to Revelation. So as I close, I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself about the perspectives you take into your daily life. Do they need to be reshaped by spending more time in God's Word? At one point in my life, I had to decide if I was going to do a PhD. I opted not to, but decided that instead I would read 150 classics that I had missed, since I had heard you read about that much when doing a doctorate. I also determined to read the same amount of time in the Bible as I did in all of those books. It was the most time and the deepest I have ever immersed myself in the Word, and some of the most treasured times and lessons I have enjoyed learning to see Jesus. If you came today not knowing exactly what God wanted you to hear, perhaps it was for you to change your perspective and really desire to see Jesus.